The dictionary defines fraud as the crime of cheating somebody. Somebody who deceives or something that's intended to deceive. Fraud is a noun. It is a crime, a person, or a plan. The word defraud is a verb. It's the action of deceiving. Listen to, I want you to listen to these words. These are some synonyms. It's the action of deceiving, cheating, tricking, swindling, conning, duping, taking advantage of, or ripping somebody off. Now let me ask you a question. How do you feel when you find out that you have been defrauded? What are some of the feelings that come out? This is an interaction time. So Paul feels angry. What, what other feelings might you feel? Hurt. I, you feel angry. You feel hurt. Okay, what else? Violated. Okay. Mad. What? Stupid. Yeah, you feel stupid. I can't believe I let him do this. How else do you feel? Vengeful. Yeah. You want to get him back, don't you, George? You want to get him right back. Frank, what do you think? You feel embarrassed. Yeah. What else? You feel disrespected, don't you? And when you feel disrespected, how else does that make you feel? What do you want to do? Smack them. Come on, Harriet. We're talking the truth here. We're talking everyday life. What, how else do you feel? Somebody. Cheated. You feel praying for them. Not quite yet. Eventually. When you find it out, do you want to be around them? Usually not. Not unless you're explaining some things to them, right? How else do you feel? Dishonored. Yeah. Defeated. Okay. Let down. You trusted them. I can't believe. Why would you do that to me? Feel betrayed. Any other feelings? Frustrated. Insignificant. Yeah. It kind of makes you feel kind of small, don't it? Why would they want to do that to me? Any other feelings? Hurt? Okay. Have most of you had an experience in life where you feel that someone in some way or some form defrauded you? Do you like that feeling? Do you want to stay in that feeling? Before we get into our scripture, I want to tell you a quick story. We built our house, we built our house about 10 and a half years ago. I guess it'll be, I think it might be 11 years ago this coming year. It's hard to believe. But when we built our house, I did a lot of research before we built our house. I wanted to make sure that we got the best deal we could get for the best price that we could get. And I did a bunch of research on my mortgage companies, who we were going to use, the rates that we were going to do. When we finally decided to build the house, we sold our house on our own. I got more for it. I sold it for more than what my realtor was going to list it for, okay? I sold it without a realtor. I sold it in two weeks. I was feeling good. I heard from my builder uh, when my house is going to be done. He says it's going to be done on this date. I said, are you sure? Absolutely, we'll be done. It gives us so many months. I told the people who were buying my house when it was, well, here before, we everything went good. In fact, things went better than good. It turned out better than what I ever expected. It was a great experience until the builder comes to me like a month before my house is supposed to be finished and says, ah, sorry, we're not going to be done on time. He's like, well, just tell the guy who's buying your house to move the date back. 
And I, I refused to do that. I said, no, I'm not going to make my problem his problem. That's not fair. We had an agreement. We had a deal. I told him that he could buy the house on this day. I'm not changing that. That's not fair to him. That's, you know, then he has to scramble for things. I'm not doing that. And so I was able to find a place to rent for a month, which is very hard to do. Try to find a house to, we were thinking about living in Sunday school rooms. You know what I mean? In my office, because we checked out hotels and that's crazy expensive. And where can you find a place to rent? But Harley helped me find a place to rent and we rented the place. So we had to move twice. And you know, that's okay. That's just, that's just part of the process. Now, during this time, we're painting. They had painted the house, but then Lori wanted each room a different color. And, and so I'm over there at night till like 2.30 in the morning. It's incredible how many people are out at Walmart at 2.30 in the morning. I'm telling you, it's a whole new world. I'm looking around. I'm like, this place is full. Where are all these people? And a lot of them are wearing pajamas, okay? I had paint clothes because I was coming home late and picking up supplies and, you know, had to work the next day. So... It's 6 o'clock the day before, before we settle. We're going to settle the next morning. And, and I get a phone call on my cell phone. And it's from the mortgage company. And the guy says to me, I still remember where I was standing. I'm standing in the kitchen. He wants to talk to me. I walk outside onto my deck, and he says these words to me. We can't give you the rate that we told you. I said, what? We can't give you the rate that we told you. Now, wait, wait, wait. you can't do that. We're locked in. We had an agreement. We were locked in at this particular rate. So what it puts me, it puts me in a very difficult situation. If he had done this to me six weeks before, I would have simply said, okay, no problem. That's not a problem at all. I have 800 and some credit score. I can get a loan anywhere. They will be standing in line to give me money. I don't have to beg you to give me a loan. The reason why I came to you is because you offered a competitive rate. And if I don't go through with this loan now, the place that I'm renting has people moving in. I'm moving out in the morning. They're moving in in the afternoon. In fact, they've been storing stuff in the garage for like the past week and a half, you know, and I was like, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. So they're putting stuff in the garage and getting ready. So I'm backing up against those people, the realtor, the builder, the title company, All these people have scheduled their day with me in mind. They've they've set up their schedule, and it's not fair for me to back out on them and and mess up their lives. And so he has me really jammed up, okay? He has me jammed up, so I have 16 hours before I sign the papers, or really they're on some of the biggest decisions of your life, of the house that you purchase. I have 16 hours, and he tells me he's changing things. Needless to say, I was not really very happy. I'm a very nice guy. I'm just telling you, I am. I'm not kidding. I'm kind. I'm tenderhearted. Don't tell anybody. This is just between us. Sometimes I cry at weddings and funerals. I do. Even weddings. If you ask Lori and her parents, Terry was there, I sobbed at my wedding. I, I, I'm a tender-hearted guy. I'm the guy who dedicates your babies. You've seen me. I hold people's babies and dedicate them. I hold the hands of the dying grandmoms at hospice and at the hospital. How do I go from that guy to the guy who wants to physically assault 
a mortgage broker in a very short period of time. You know what I mean? Let me get back to this nice guy thing. I wake up at night praying for you and your families. I'll wake up at night sometimes, just in the middle of the night, wake up with people on my mind, with people's kids on my mind, with people's relatives on my mind, praying for them. How do I go from that guy to this guy who was just, just, I mean, just ticked off? As I said, if he had done this six weeks earlier, it wouldn't have been a big deal. I would have simply said, no problem. I'll go somewhere else. But he had me trapped. If there's any time that's really hard is when someone traps you and they get you in a position where you're vulnerable, take advantage of you. Well, some people may say it's just business. It may have been business for him, but it was very much personal for me. For the next 30 years, every month, I was going to be getting ripped off every month. It wasn't just a one time, okay, you got me. It was every month for the next 30 years. I suggested that I come down to his work and discuss it with him in person. And then he quit returning my phone calls. Let me be clear. I never, never threatened to punch him in the throat, knee him in the groin, or rain down elbows on the bridge of his nose. I never said anything at all about that. But it's amazing how angry and violated we can feel when somebody defrauds us. Now, the Bible says this, be angry and sin not. Now, a lot of you will say, you'll raise up your hand with your WWJD bracelet. Well, pastor, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Let me tell you what Jesus would do. Jesus would make a whip. He would go in and flip tables over and he would drive them out. So many people think that Jesus is some little sissy guy. Like some emasculated, what they call those metro type people, like some little sissy boy. Jesus is the one who's coming in on a white horse with the fire in his eye and a sword in his hand. That's who Jesus is. All right. Now, I'm not saying you should necessarily always do that. But it's amazing how quickly in an instant we'll we'll say to people, well, what would Jesus do? Well, I told you what he would do. He'd make a whip and drive him out. As I said, he wouldn't return my phone calls. I went ahead and and did it with him. And then I never assaulted him. I never went to his house or anything like that. I did, however, contact the uh, banking commission. And after a discussion with them, The owner of the company called me and said, Mr. Ritchie, what do we need to do to make this right with you? And I said, well, why don't you just simply keep your word? You keep your word, we won't have any problem. And so that's what they did. They refinanced it at their expense, which worked out okay for me. I was looking, trying to remember the details of what was said. And and, and I looked in my files as far as my computer files of letters that I wrote. And I had deleted all of those things out. Now, the reason why I couldn't find any of them. The reason why I delete those things is for me. When somebody wrongs me or I get angry about something, if I hold on to it, if I keep a record of it, it still has a hold of me, okay? So it's okay to get angry once in a while. 
It's okay to have your emotions be stirred, and that's a natural response. But when we hold on to it for too long, and it's always easier whenever you end up getting your way, isn't it? When the owner of the company had to call me and say, what do I have to do to make this right? And he had to pay the thing, and I got what I was originally promised. It's so much easier to forgive people when that happens, right? But what about the times in our life when no one ever makes it right? What about the times when you get messed over? And what about the times whenever it is continually? It's not just mess over you once. It's every day you have to live with the results or the consequences of what took place. Before I took off on vacation, I was with Pastor Ben and we were praying and we were praying together. We're praying for the church. And as I was praying, I, I sensed the Lord giving me a picture. I don't know if you ever have those times when you're praying where you're praying and you're praying out loud and there's, there's literally a picture or an image that you have. And as I was praying in my mind, I saw a large distribution center. It wasn't a small warehouse. It would be like those ones that you see alongside the turnpike as you drive that go on forever. You know know what I mean? Like as far as your eye can see, it was a distribution center with racks from floor to ceiling filled with every kind of tool you can imagine. There was no shortage of equipment because as equipment went out the door, the racks were being resupplied Continually, There was a continual resupplying of these racks with tools. I realized that I was supplying people with tools. It was not like I had one drill and I could say to you, okay, Andy, here's the drill, but I need it back by next Thursday because someone else wants to borrow it. It was a sense that I had an unlimited supply of tools that I could share with others. There wasn't one drill, one chainsaw, one skid loader, one hydraulic jack, one metal brake, and I had to wait. No, there was every kind of tool you could imagine for every kind of job you can imagine and a continual supply of whatever was needed. Someone else was supplying the tools and I was just supplying those to those who need it. Freely you have received, the scripture says, freely give. There was a sense that there was not a lack, that, that there was much to what I have. And as, as we were praying, and, and, and then, then I talked about my prayer because it was, it was kind of weird. My role as a pastor is this, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. When I bring God's word to you, I'm equipping you with tools you need to successfully complete the challenges of this life. Today, God wants to strengthen your home through the sharing, sharing with you the principles of God's word. He wants to, to strengthen and bless your home. I also want to say this. We, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts here in, in the near future. And I sense that the Lord gave me this message, but I want to say this. I believe that what you'll see in this message is actually the word of wisdom and a word of knowledge operating through the preaching of God's word. Because a lot of times we'll think that for God to give a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, there has to be a break in the song 
and someone needs to yell it out. Thus says the Lord. Okay? I want you to know that God speaks that the gifts are in operation not only through those prophetic utterances, but also through the preaching and the teaching of God's word. So when you come, you need to come with a sense of expectation that thus says the Lord, that God is speaking to me. Now, I want to share with you the portion of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, and I'm reading to you from the King James Version. And the reason why I'm doing the King James Version is because of the specific wording that it says. And it says, now concerning the things thereof ye wrote unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not. You see that word? It says, defraud ye not one another, one the other. Except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. In this portion of Scripture... I see people smiling. Paul is responding to questions concerning marriage. And in particular, he's speaking about physical sexual intimacy. He says, in essence, give your spouse what's due them, that which is rightfully theirs, which in this case means the freedom to experience sexual intimacy together. Paul says this. He says, your bodies belong one unto the other. But the principles that he established here apply to much more than physical intimacy. Paul says in verse 5, defraud ye not one another. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I believe that one of the reasons why there's so much anger in marriages and in families, because there is a real issue with anger in families, is because people are defrauding one another. Not just in the sexual area, but how do you feel when you've been defrauded? I feel angry. I want to get them back. I want to tell someone about it. I want to hurt them. I don't want to be around them. I want to make them suffer. Isn't that what we just said? Huh? How do you feel when somebody defrauds you when somebody cheats you, when somebody who you trust, who, who you depend on, you think that they're going to treat you right, and you find out that they're mistreating you or they're defrauding you in some way, the natural response is anger. The principle of the Scripture is this. In the text here, the overarching thing that Paul is writing about, he's writing about the importance of a husband and wife having sex together on a regular basis, and he says if you don't do that, He says you're defrauding one another, okay? That's what he says. When a husband or a wife refuses to have sex with their spouse, according to God's word, not according to your husband, not according to your wife, according to God's word, you are defrauding one another. The Bible is quite clear. It says, don't defraud your spouse. Don't deceive, don't cheat, don't trick, Don't swindle, don't con, don't dupe, 
Don't take advantage of them. Don't rip them off. Your spouse has a right to expect you to treat them with love, with kindness, and with respect. When you don't do that, when you don't treat your spouse with kindness, when you don't treat your spouse with love, when you don't treat them with respect, what are you doing? You are, according to God's word, you are defrauding them. And what does the word say? The principle, it says, don't defraud them. Don't defraud your spouse. Your spouse has a right to expect you to be an equal partner with them in the parenting and the raising of your children. And whenever you fail as a parent to engage with your kids, when you fail to share that load of parenting your children, you are defrauding your spouse. Does everyone understand that? You're cheating them. You're ripping them off. They have a right to expect you to be a partner in caring for the home and providing for the family's financial well-being. When you don't do that and you don't carry your weight, you are defrauding them, you are cheating them, you are ripping them off. May I suggest to you that this is one of the reasons why there's so much anger in homes today. This is one of the reasons. There again, I believe this is a word from the Lord. This is not Steve Ritchie's message. This is a word from the Lord. Why is my spouse so mad? Well, maybe there's some defrauding there. You get angry. You want to get back at them. You want to tell other people about them. Can I speak to you the truth today? Maybe you're not married to an angry woman. Do you think you just married an angry woman? You think you married an angry man. Maybe you're a fraud. See, a fraud is a person. You can defraud somebody, but when you continue to do that, you know, there's times in which we make mistakes, in which we cheat somebody. But when you make it a lifestyle of not helping your spouse, of not being kind to your spouse, of not being tender to your spouse, of not sleeping with your spouse, when you make that a lifestyle, then you become, you become a fraud. I want to say that again. Maybe your spouse isn't so angry. Maybe they just got a stinky husband. Someone should just say amen there. You, you can't say it out loud, but I understand. Maybe you're a stinky wife. Oh, pastor, you can't say we're politically correct. No, I'm going to tell you the truth. Maybe you're a stinky wife. Maybe you are. Maybe you're a stinky husband. Maybe your spouse would not be so mad if you would not be cheating them not giving them what they rightfully deserve, not sharing with them. You know, the thing is, is gentlemen or ladies, whoever, there's a lot of things to do around the house. And if you're, if one person's sitting up with their feet all the time, relaxing, drinking tea, while the other one, they've worked all day too, and they come home and wait on you like they're your slave. Well, he likes doing that. She likes doing that. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think they like it that much. Maybe they just want a clean house. Maybe they want things done. Maybe they're responsible. But if you don't share in some of those responsibilities, if you let all of the parenting to the other person, and you say, well, I'm busy with what I'm doing. If I had a business, and here's the reality. I encourage you to support local businesses of Lighthouse. If you need your car fixed on, give Andy a call, Clearview Auto. 
Uh, you need some masonry business, call Sammy D. You need your mower fixed, Dave Barkman, down there in East Earl. Now, here's the thing. If you got a local business, if I'm a businessman, I realize this, that some of my customers, let's say I have a restaurant, some of my customers may not be happy with the meal. Some of my customers may not be satisfied with the service. There are some people you can't please, right? There's some, I mean, like you go out of your way. But typically if I go to a restaurant and they just give me average service, they get 18 to 20% tip, right? At least. So if you have, if you're a business person and your customers, you know, you're, you're, you're a restaurant and 80% of the time your customers are mad about the food. It may not be all that they're just disgruntled. They may not all have been having a bad day. Maybe your service isn't very good. Maybe the quality of what you're providing them is not so great, okay? And here's what happens in a business thing. In the business world, what happens is you just go broke. You close down business. That's what happens in the business world. If you don't provide, if you don't provide your customers with the quality product, with quality service, they just won't come back. Let me tell you once again why people are so angry. Because they're stuck. It's funny, of before people get married, they'll treat their, their spouse, their husband, or their wife one particular way. And maybe they'll be extra kind and, and attentive and always looking their best. Always looking their best. Always dress the best that they can. And, and it's funny how after people get married for a while, got you now, sucker. <laughs> right? <laughs> I hear from that laugh. Some of you know. Huh? After they've been married for a while, they think, well, well, you just have to put up with my bad habits. You have to put up with my short temper. You have to put up with my attitude. You just have to understand that that's me. That's not how God intends you to treat your spouse. He wants us to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving and gracious. He wants the fruit of the Spirit to be evident. Now, the exception. Let's look at an exception. Let's look at the next phrase. It says, defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time. The exception to not fulfilling your responsibility in a relationship is when it's by mutual consent and only for a time. When you got married, when you got married, there were expectations that you're going to be, I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be loyal to you. I'm going to serve you. There's all of these expectations and and things that we come into agreement on whenever you get married. The exception to not fulfilling them, as I said, is when it's by mutual consent and only for a period of time. In other words, my spouse and I need to communicate about what is going on in our lives. We need to come to an agreement. Not simply you come in and inform the other person what you're going to do or not to do. Okay? 
you walking into the room and informing them of what you'll do and what you won't do is not coming to an agreement. It's by mutual consent, the two of you agreeing on what's going to take place. When you walk in and simply inform them of what you're going to do or what you're not going to do, without taking their feelings and their opinions into consideration, even if you do that, you're still defrauding them. And here's the big thing. They're going to be angry. Okay? They're going to be angry. And An example of this would be a person, there's seasons of life. Whenever things are so consuming, we have people who go back to school. They get married, they have a family, and um, work a job. And then they have to go back to school, you know, or they feel like they want to go back to school to continue with their education, to provide better for their family. They and their spouse would need to agree that the other person during this season of time will shoulder more of the work at home. Hey, honey, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to take on more responsibility with the kids. You're going to have to do more than your share. You know, when you get married, can I say this too? How many of you are looking for somebody to carry? I'm not trying to be rude or smart or insignificant, you know, or, or, or make people feel bad. But how many of you, when you get married, you think, man, you know what I want to find? I want to find the laziest dude I can find. I mean, I'm looking for a, I can just see some girl. She's looking around. Where's the lazy one? I'd like a lazy man. I'd like one who doesn't work. I don't want him just to be lazy and not help. I want him to leave a big mess, you know. Just leave his socks laying in the middle of the, of the living room. Cut his toenails hair. I want him to leave the bathroom a mess every morning because I just want to care for him and love him. I'm going to take care of him. You know, there's some crazy women. There's some crazy women who think they want that, and then they get him, and they're like, my gosh, I want to give him back. Huh? How many of you guys, how many of you guys want to carry your wife? You want to do everything. You want to take care of everything. Nobody wants that. When you get married, you want a partner to share your life with. You want someone to work together with and to do life with. Now, here's the reality. There will be seasons in life. There'll be seasons in life when you got to give a lot more than the other person. But it's sure, and, and that's okay. We, we understand that. But if, if you're just lazy, if you just are shirking your duty, if you're just not doing what you're supposed to do, you're going to have an angry spouse. So what we say is this. Whenever there's an exception, it's only for a period of time. It's for a season. There's also supposed to be an end date to that exception. It's not to go on forever and ever. Well, we have a good system working here. He lays around, and I clean up after him. And I bring him drinks and change the channel for him. No. Or the other way. He works all the time, works like a dog, and I complain about him all day. That is not God's intention for the family. They list the only reason for not fulfilling your marital responsibilities is so that you can give themselves to fasting and prayer. Then they're to come back together when it's talking about physically. It says the longest you should go, the longest you should wait is whenever you're fasting and praying and then only for a season then come back together. Well, let me ask you, how long can you fast? You ain't fasting no year. Come on now. You ain't fasting no year. I'm looking around here. I know. I don't see anybody who's fasting a whole year. You know, you ain't fasting those six months. All right. 
And so the reality of it is is that there are temporary periods of time whenever the other person has to carry more than us. But can I say this to you? Don't defraud them. The word says, the word says don't defraud them. And here's the reason why. The motivation. The reason we're not to defraud our spouse is because when we do, it gives Satan an opportunity to wreak havoc in our lives. Well, you just having an attitude and thinking your wife should put up with it. Or you just saying smart remarks. Are you just criticizing him? Are you neglecting whatever those responsibilities are? No, it gives the enemy. Satan is looking to get an inroad in your life or in your family. And he'll be happy to use whatever opportunity you allow him to use. Can I say this? Satan would love nothing more. Would you stand with me? He'd love nothing more than for your home to be filled with anger, with bitterness, with resentment. He would like for you to, when you see your spouse, want to get away from him. I don't, I don't, don't even open your mouth. Just shut up. You may not say that, but that, that's what he wants to be, the attitude of your heart. That's, that's what he wants to do. You and I need to make a determination that, God, I don't want to give the enemy an opening in my life and my family. Can I say this to you? Because if you do, he doesn't just destroy you. He wrecks your kids. He wrecks your grandkids. You leave a, a legacy of anger, of bitterness. You leave a poor example for them to follow. They're watching what you do. Can I invite everybody to come up front just for a moment? We're just going to finish up. Here's the reality. When I get angry, I can justify a lot of behavior that I would not normally be able to justify. When we get angry, we can say and do things. There's chemicals released in our bodies. It's it's fight or flight. When we get angry, there's things that we can say things, we can do things that we would never do we would never say were it not for that anger. Here's my question for you. Are you are you causing the people in your family are you putting them in a place spiritually you're putting them in a place spiritually that they should never be they should never be am I putting my wife, am I making my wife vulnerable because I'm simply selfish and I want my wife. Well, she'll, you know, that's just me. <laughs> uh, yeah, knock it off. That's what the Holy Spirit. There's a word from God. You want a word from God? Knock it off. It's a word from God. Can I say this to you? There's some wives or husbands or children who desperately, they desperately want to love their spouse. Some of, some of you make it really hard. Another word from God. Some of you make it so hard. Your kids desperately want a relationship with you. Your spouse desperately wants a relationship with you. But some of you make it almost impossible. Well, that's just me. Well, it might just be you alone. That's not God's plan for your life. God's plans for your life that His grace flow over you.
grace flow out of you. Now, a lot of us are saying, God, I'm so glad my spouse is here. Holy Spirit, just thank you for speaking. We can all remember and recite the times people have cheated us. We all can. I wonder if we're aware of the times that we've defrauded others. I wonder if the level of emotion is as high about me defrauding my wife as it is about the time she's defrauded me. About me disrespecting another person or hurting a member of my family as quickly as I can remember and the emotions rise when I think about how they hurt me. Can I say this to you? Some of you, this might be your last call. That might be your last call because the Holy Spirit's been speaking. He's been warning you. I hope you'll listen. Let me say this. If your spouse is angry, maybe we should at least ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. If your kids are angry at you, if your family members are are upset with you, maybe we should ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, open my eyes and open my hearts to the things that I cannot see. The opposite of defraud is to contribute, to help, to provide, to repay, to support, to deliver. Can, can we just take a, a moment? And I, I want to encourage you to, it, it, there again, if your spouse is here, if your kids are here, would you just take them by the hand? And I want to pray over your, your family. I want to pray over your home. But I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And before you leave today, you know, God may even want to restore, God may even want to restore some, some broken relationships. He may want to heal some wounded places in our lives. And we don't know exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing, but I know this. He, he showed me when I was praying that my job, that he's given me an unlimited warehouse full of tools that will help people if they'll simply take it and use it. So, Father, today, I thank you that you're here in this room. I thank you, God, that you love us and you care for us. I thank you, Lord, that you're kind and gracious and compassionate to me. You don't treat me or give me what I deserve, Lord. But again and again, you extend grace and mercy to me. Now, Lord, in this room, on behalf of your people, on behalf of myself, I repent for the times that I've been selfish and self-centered, for the times I've been insensitive to the needs of others, Lord, to the needs of my family, for the times I've said things because I wanted my way. And I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would bring conviction, first of all. I pray that you would open people's hearts and show them where they are rude, where they're insensitive, where they're proud, where they are indifferent. I pray that you would open the hearts of those who have been hurt to show them where their heart has become hard, where their heart has become calloused, Lord. And so for those places, Lord, we look at ourselves and we say, Holy Spirit, Would you do your work inside of me? I don't want to cause pain. 
I don't want to cause hurt. I don't want to live with the consequences of that pain and that hurt. But I'm asking you, Lord, today to make all things new. Lord, it's hard for it to be made new if I keep doing it again and again and again. And it's hard for my spouse not to be angry and frustrated if I keep continually hurting them. And so I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes and speak to our hearts. It's hard for my kids to to trust me if I'm continually causing hurt to them. So God, speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name.